Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben, I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 10. Tonight is number two of our three-part series on relationships. We're going to dive into relationships of self, talking about our own personal journeys of self-discovery, self-love, and self-awareness. And Ben, why don't you kick us off tonight? Gentlemen, wonderful to see you this evening. The interesting thing that I found was that once I removed alcohol, my life was still unmanageable. And that's not something I was ready for. I was ready to be done drinking. I was ready to be done physically feeling awful. I was ready to stop hating the person that I was. But I got out of rehab and I that that first week out of rehab where I wasn't working a program and I was just trying to do it on my own, I was still an absolute emotional disaster. And there's been a lot of things that have helped me. Yeah, the program's helped me. Therapy's helped me. A fellowship has helped me. But there's been a lot that goes into it. And it really has been a slow process. It's, I, I came out of rehab feeling physically great. Uh, I lost a ton of weight. I was working out. And, you know, I had a confidence about myself that I hadn't had before. But mentally and emotionally there was still a lot of shit that I had to deal with. And when I got out of rehab, I, I moved back home to, to my parents' house. And me and my mom spent a lot of mornings talking. There was a lot of crying. There was a, there was a lot. I mean, probably for those first two weeks, me and my parents, like by, by like 9.30, we were all ready for bed because just the emotional toll of going through 10 years of addiction and again addiction that didn't really affect them up front my addiction didn't exhibit itself in uh you know outward ways but it was you know the time that was the time that i sifted through started to sift through that wreckage and it's only been recently that i've really understood what that you know actually what sifting through the wreckage actually looks like and you know so somebody in uh in rehab you know i think it was i forget the name of the book and it was about the idea of pain versus suffering and i've felt a lot of pain i've put myself through a lot of pain i've put other people through a lot of pain but suffering comes from when i sit in that pain and i don't deal with it and so for me and this is a long journey because I would like to stay sober for the rest of my life. And I can do that one day at a time, but everything doesn't get fixed in a day. We've talked about that on other episodes, you know, walk 10 miles into the woods and it's going to take you 10 miles to get out. But there's, there's just a peace of mind that I have now that I have many different outlets to deal with the many different issues that I have. And you know, these character defaults, they still pop up. Even when I'm trying my best, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to 
do these things. Things like manipulation, deception, you know, self-seeking. It's not this outward, I want to drink, so I'm going to go ahead and get alcohol and I'm going to hide it. And I'm going to, I'm going to, no, it's those things. That part doesn't exist anymore. But addiction by nature is a selfish disease and it makes us, makes me focus on myself. And so those things still exist, whether it's me being in a relationship or, you know, me being a father, me being an ex-husband, me being a son or, or a brother or a friend. It's a, it's really a, a matter of, I have to, to check my motives now. And, and that helps me better connect with myself, which is, it's, it's not something that I really understood before this, but I, I kind of just went along for the ride and I allowed myself to take myself wherever I was going to go. And I don't really, I try not to do that anymore because I never put myself in a good situation. I, you know, even when I was doing the good things, even when I had, you know, a house and a job and kids and cars and a pool and all of the good stuff, I was not putting myself in a good situation to be the best person, to live up to the ideal that I want to live up to. And so it's a long process. It takes, a, it's a it's a lot of work, but it's not work that I'm not capable of. I mean, I was, I was capable of a lot in addiction. You know, I'm, I'm a cap, I'm capable of a lot in recovery too. Yeah. I liked what you were talking about pain and re, pain and suffering. Um, I, I've heard the phrase and I'm paraphrasing here and I don't know if this is the actual quote, but I remember someone somewhere saying something like pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. And what you were just talking about is sitting in that suffering. And at least for me, that suffering was the most comfortable space to sit in because I was feeling something, whether that be, you know, anger or shame or guilt, you know, those those bad, quote unquote, bad emotions. I was just sitting there because I was feeling something. And, and that's what I was missing and now that I'm sober, I have all these other emotions and I work through that pain and I, and I don't suffer, you know, because I don't allow my, myself to suffer. So Chris, what do you, what do you think about this whole topic of self-discovery, self-awareness? Yeah, I think it's funny how when you're in active addiction, your mind um, can manipulate you to think basically whatever the opposite of the truth is. I mean, when I was using, I thought that I had so many friends that my friends were truly there. I thought that my wife loved me more than anything. I had this high uh, amount of ego. You know, I had this pride. But deep down, it was the opposite. And I as well was suffering. And honestly, I think if I truly look back, I felt like at the time I deserved it. And like you said, Jason, I was comfortable in that misery. And through this process of finding yourself um, and discovering who you truly are, I mean, Ben, you hit it on the head. Uh, Through recovery, it doesn't mean that, you know, everything is peachy every day. However, 
you're able to actually feel feelings and work through them in a healthy manner. So I think recently I'm really focusing on letting go of shame. Um, you know, it, someone made a great analogy uh, in a meeting the other day about rear view mirrors and the fact that they keep you safe in a car. You, you're, you should look in the rear view mirror to know your surroundings, to be safe. But if you stare in the rear view mirror, you're then going to get into an accident. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to build my self-esteem through esteemable acts. Um, I'm trying to read a lot. I'm, I, in another sense, I'm trying new activities. Uh, you know, I stopped a lot of things that I enjoyed in life because I was using. And I, once again, I don't know if it's because I deserved it or not, but I was just sitting in that state of suffering. So uh, through hiking and mindfulness, yoga, uh, fitness, um, a lot of golf, I think I'm finding myself again. And not only myself, but the people around me can, um, can see it. I, I'm getting a lot of calls recently to help them for a period of years. No one would reach out to me for help because I wasn't reliable. I was flaky. I would, you know, maybe I would show up, but I was never present. And lately I'm trying to be present. I am able to be present and it's a, uh, it's a roller coaster. You know, it's, I, I think the the worst day of being sober by far is better than the best day in active addiction. So yeah, that that's absolutely that. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And there's two things that you said there that really struck me. The first is that trying new things and, and kind of rediscovering yourself. One of the things that I love to do um, is woodworking. And I am very good at it. Why? Thank you. I I appreciate that. Really good at it. (laughs) It's, it's one of those things that I really enjoyed the entire process of working with a client and designing a piece and executing that vision. And it was really something I truly enjoyed, but my, my drinking habits were, wouldn't allow that because you can't work with saws and drills when you're putting away 12 to 15, uh, you know, a day. And, I mean, and it's you just, could, you could, but definitely not recommend it. <laughs> right, right. Thankfully, I have all 10 Public fingers. Public disclaimer, yeah. Yes, right. please don't yes. try that at home. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, you know, got divorced and moved out of the house and and, and the wood shop that I had doesn't, ex- you know, doesn't exist in the way that I wanted to anymore. And it's actually something I've been working through with my therapist because I don't have those creative outlets that I once had. And so it's, it's working my way back to finding things that I really enjoy doing, hiking, something I never did before. And now I am, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm a hiking, well, I'm not a fishing out because that's that I say that. And then I'm not here three episodes later because I'm lost in the woods, but, but you know, that that's absolutely one of the things that, that really just absolutely is, is so true about rediscovering yourself. And, and it's, you know, I, I and, and, the, the other thing you talked about was was uh, feels like one one of the the gifts of this is to be relied upon you know and and in this the way you're talking about it is you know people reaching out to you for help 
somebody in my network that's going through some marital issues and and unbeknownst to me i've been able to be there for them and give the and share my experience of what that's like and help them in a way i never imagined that i would be able to assist somebody in a healthy way and not in just a yeah i know what you're going through divorce sucks but to really help them figure out how to navigate it and figure out if they're if they're making the right decision because it is a very confusing process and it's just not something that i could have ever done in any way shape or form if i was still under the influence so what's really interesting that we're talking about this tonight is as you guys know i'm back in school i'm getting my second uh master's degree in clinical psychology with a focus in clinical mental health counseling and substance abuse disorders. And the class that I'm currently taking, we just started talking about this topic, self-discovery, self-awareness, self-love, self-care. And there's this handbook that we're using that was actually created by one of the students, by one of the grad students that's in her final year. And what she did was she created this self-care wheel and I don't know if this was taken off of, you know, a, another model or not, but um, it really talks about these different aspects of self-care, the physical, the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual, the personal, and the professional. And I don't know about you guys, but at least half of these I didn't think about when I would talk about self-care. You know, I mean, just just the the professional side of things, putting up boundaries to take a lunch, putting up boundaries not to work on the weekends, you know, things like not check your emails when it's not working hours. You know, I'm terrible at that. And, you know, through the course, that's actually something that I'm committed to is that area of self-care, because what's going through my head even today is if I don't do that, I'm a bad employee. Because what's being pushed up against me is this idea that you were such a failure before, Jason, that you, you, you know, drank on the job, drugged on the job, missed work, did that, did these other things, that I want to prove myself at this job. And part of me wants to prove myself at this job by not taking lunch, by having meetings from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., by working on the weekends, you know? And so what I'm doing is actually an old behavior of mine. I'm putting something else in front of myself. So I'm putting my job in front of my own needs because my own needs are to go to the gym, to have friends and ha go out to dinners with them, to sleep at least eight hours a night. And that, that wasn't happening over the last two weeks because I was putting this job, which I do love and I, I'm getting in the groove of, but I'm putting all of that in front of my own self-care. And it was it was very eye-opening for me uh, when we had class this week. Yeah, I mean, we've said this a bunch of times, but you have to put your sobriety or, you know, we could say self-care. And I think our sobriety is part of our self-care first in order to be there for every other aspect of life, right? So I agree with you, Jason. I have 
had a hard time managing the process of, you know, one thing we did in IOP was we were given, I think it was 20 um, Nerf balls and we had buckets and there was your family bucket, there was your physical bucket, there was your professional bucket, there was all these buckets and you had to put, there was uh, sobriety, you know, recovery, and you had to put as the Nerf balls and where you're gonna focus all of your effort. And according to the therapist, we all failed, but uh, you know, everyone would put like three in recovery, four in your family, two in physical, you know, and you had all these things. And really the end goal was to emphasize the fact that without sobriety, without taking care of yourself, all that other stuff is just going to go by the wayside. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be in a week, but eventually if you're not staying sober, you're going to lose that job, family, uh, your relationship, your physical um, attributes, you know, all that stuff. So I, I definitely kind of was on your boat for a while and I still am. I struggle with how to prioritize my time, you know, and I think more and more I'm focusing on, incorporating uh, recovery into each aspect. So I might not go to a meeting every day, but I drive a lot for work and I'm able to go to Zoom meetings or listen to uh, recovery podcasts, other ones, or talk to my network. And I make sure that each day that is incorporated in my life so that I can be there for my job. I can be there for my family. I can be there for, to go to the gym. Yeah. That was one of the things that I heard in rehab was that, you know, if you don't put recovery first, everything behind it isn't going to exist anyway. And it's true. And so I, you know, kind of dove head first once I, after that first week and I, and I got into the rooms and I started working a program, I went, you know, overboard, just diving into the program, which was confusing at first because I wasn't sure what that was supposed to look like. I, you know, is it just supposed to be disregard everything else? And, and so I kind of went for the, the, almost the opposite end where, you know, I, I, you know, was making as, as many meetings as possible and, and it's, and, and, you know, trying to be there for others and, and taking phone calls. And it was a learning experience because this is again for me it's a lifetime journey and yes i'm going to have to be in recovery or i'm not going to have to be in recovery i i i get a chance to recover you know for the rest of my life but all of my other responsibilities will still exist and so it has become this idea where the the second that i forget that i have a problem with alcohol or that I have a problem with addiction, and I start to focus on those other things, that I begin that I that I open myself up to slipping. So then it becomes, what do I do for for myself? And like like you say, Chris, and it's interesting because we're we're wired differently. I don't have the self control to to just put a recovery podcast on. So for me, I have to be in my morning meeting every day. I have to be so that whether I'm working or not. I throw my earbud in, you know, if I'm home, I, I, I participate as much as possible. 
because for me, it's I'm getting that automatic dose of of what I need to start that day. And then I can, you know, build on all of those other things. And and so I think that's probably the most important thing is that you need to experiment with what works. You know, I don't think we had any problem experimenting, you know, when we were when we were not in recovery. There's nothing wrong with experimenting to find what's going to, you know, feed our souls now. It's so true. You know, to that point, I was so selfish in my addiction that I would do whatever it took to get drunk, get high, get whatever. And now when I need to do whatever it takes to feed my soul and take care of myself, my first reaction is to not do it. Um, I heard recently, and this was actually in class, um, the analogy of, and you, you both would understand this because you have kids, but if you're on an airplane, you put it on yourself, not, not someone else that you're with, right? Because if you're not getting the oxygen, you're going to pass out. And then how can you help someone else? I, I always used to wear this as a badge of honor that I would give the shirt off my back. I would give the last dollar in my pocket to someone but that just left me broken cold, you know? So there's there's that fine line and that balance that I think where you can still be giving of others while giving to yourself because service does fuel who I am. You know, when, when I got out of rehab, I knew who I was because I did the work during those 28 days to take off all of that armor that I had on, all of that protective gear, all of those different identities that I had on, I took all of that off and I was stripped to the core. I did not know who I was and it took 28 days for me. And still, I think to today, I'm still learning who I am, but I found my foundational core of who I was by asking other people how they did it. I remember I was sitting in one of the group therapy sessions and I asked the room of guys, I said, how do you love yourself. And at first I was afraid to ask the question because I thought I was all the heads were going to turn and they were going to look at me like I was stupid, but the reaction that I got was wow, that's a really good question because I don't know how to do that yet either. No, I mean not to add another analogy, but I actually was talking to my wife about this the other day and I I forget what it was, but I made up 17 excuses under the sun of why I couldn't go to my meeting on Sunday. And you know, I, I was helping her. I was doing the dishes. I was putting the kids down. And she literally Phil, said Phil to was me, leading. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. I, you know, speaking of golf, this is what she said to me. She goes, Chris, I've never seen you not wake up at three in the morning, drive four hours, do whatever you have to do to get to a golf course. There is nothing that in this world that will stop you if you want to golf. And she's like, I personally want to see that in your recovery. And although I got a little frustrated when she said that, I mean, she's a hundred percent accurate. Like I don't have that commitment and I need to get there, you know, because I don't want to lose what I have right now and what I've built, you know, and Jason, you were mentioning ways to how to find out how to love yourself in ways. So, I mean, maybe we can all, um, circle around and say, I, I was just thinking of how, how to do that. 
So like, what were the, what were the, uh, you know, what did those old timers say or Ben, I mean, you've been to a ton of meetings. So, I mean, the one thing that I'm recently trying to do is be self-aware of what makes me feel good. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, a round of golf. I'm talking about what truly makes me feel like I did something esteemable that day. Uh, and, and it's hard to sometimes have that self-awareness because we're just in this fast paced moving life and to actually slow down and, and recognize that. And when I do now, uh, recognize something that makes me feel good and esteemable, I try to repeat it. You know, I, I volunteer, uh, once a month at our church and it's a food pantry. And that makes me feel good. And it's two hours out of my month. But I've been doing that now for, I think, basically since I got back from rehab. So whatever that is, eight months. So what are some other ways that you can uh, find out how to love yourself and build up your esteem? You know, I, one of the things that you just said there was, you know, yeah, it's self-awareness. But there's also, for me, that a level of altruism where I have to not only do these acts, but I have to do them, you know, making sure that nobody's watching or not making sure that nobody's watching, but not caring if anybody's watching and not seeking to see if anybody does it. And one of the very simplest things that I've ever heard in a, in a meeting was, are you the kind of guy that puts the shopping cart back when, you, when you're done loading your groceries? And oh, it good. sticks with me every time I'm at the at I'm at shop right now. Now I feel it, bad about myself. <laughs> but, there goes but your esteemable act. Yeah. But it's it's just so true because now the guy, you know, the, the kid that's working the you know, pushing the, the carts around in the rain, now he's got one less cart that he doesn't have to go for. Like, and it's just a little thing that again, it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just that we don't consider a lot of other things outside of ourselves or our families or the things that we think are important. And somebody said it in a meeting today, you never know what a smile is gonna do for somebody. You never know how that's gonna change somebody's day. And so just the, I, that's what I found. It's the little tiny things. Yeah, I know, I, I, Ben, I totally agree with you. And I think that that is, an esteemable act that you can consider for yourself. And that's doing something for someone else. You know, Matrix actually put something into the chat here. You can buy someone a cup of coffee behind you in, in the drive-thru, paying it forward. I think that is an excellent esteemable act, you know, and, and especially if they don't know that you did that and you're already gone out of the coffee shop by the time that they have to pay. I had to figure out what I could do for myself because I, it was such a foreign concept. So things like getting a pedicure, getting a massage, doing things like that, that doesn't actually impact anyone else except downstream it does, right? Because if I, if I go to the gym, if I go lay on the beach, if I get a massage, that's something that's for me and only me. The downstream advantage of that is that I'm a much happier person and I'm not a bastard walking around the streets, you know, snarling at old ladies, you know? And so I think that that is a great point you had. And the big question is what can we do for ourselves? You know, I, I think you guys have alluded to it, you know, the woodworking, 
the um, the uh, golfing, things like that. And and that's the big question, you know, at least it is for me. Finding those activities that uh, bring us joy. I love doing those. I love finding new things. I think the harder thing for me is kind of the uh, spiritual or emotional side. I mean, <laughs> you know, we just talked about this little spiff that we all had yesterday. And in active addiction, I don't think I would have talked to you guys for about a month. I you would have said I would have cut you, you know, off. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would have cut you guys off. And to the listeners, we basically got in an argument, a, a, a disagreement about an editing uh, thing. And in the past, I wouldn't have talked to you. I would have been off this podcast. I would have told everyone that you guys are the worst people ever. And that would have been it, you know? But I think that I'm trying to live more empathetic. I think I'm trying to not hold on to resentments. And I'm really trying to put myself in other people's shoes. I'm not perfect. Yesterday, I was upset, you know? And in my head, I probably did say half of those things. But I, I made a point today, and I woke up today not feeling great because I had those thoughts yesterday. So I woke up today, and I read the Just For Today, I went to a meeting, I did, I talked to a bunch of people, not specifically about this, but just talked to a bunch of people. And when I, and after we talked for about five minutes today, we're all friends again. And I think that's a big difference in how I'm living my life is letting go, apologizing, not expecting apology in return. You know, I'm, I do apologize for my role in situations and I'm not doing that just to hear reciprocated apology. I I'm trying to live a more, and, and most importantly, I have empathy for other people. And I think that's where the emotional side is helping. Holding on to resentment is what kills my program. You know, that, that absolutely. I, it's a, it's a physical feeling now for me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Waking up and having this resentment of that conversation yesterday, I was like dragging. I was dragging today and then I, and then I worked through it and now I feel great. Yeah. I, I was dreading this recording tonight because I was like, God, we, we got to deal with this. Damn it. But one of the things that my program has taught me, somebody said in the room, they said, this program is meant to keep you sober, to teach you how to act like an adult. That's it. That's really it. And I need to be taught how to act like an adult because I still ask the question, am I really an alcoholic? Well, the fact that I even have to, that I can ask that question means that I am. So I need guidance about how to live like a normal human being. And, you know, that comes through a lot of different, different ways. It comes from people in the program. It comes from people outside the program. Chris, you said something that really hit home to me when, you, you know, you, you said about what your wife brought up about golfing and you were annoyed about it at first because the truth hurts. My ex-wife the other day texted me and was like, and it was basically this long thing about how she would like to see me make more of an effort with my daughters. And it was like, 
are you kidding me? Like, I was, I, I didn't even know I had an alcohol problem in July. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know it was to the extent that it was. I went to rehab. I came home and I never got to go back. And, and you're upset? And it was like, whoa, wait a second. You know why you're getting so defensive? It's because it's the truth and that you do need to make, a, make more of an effort. And so acknowledging that to her, we had probably one of the best conversations that we've ever had yesterday. And it's because the resentment can't exist. If I allow the, the resentment to exist, it eventually will consume me. And, and I just don't want to live like that anymore. I don't, I don't like when, you know, if we have a, a disagreement or something and, you know, it gets emotional, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to live in that space where uh, I don't want to live in that negative space anymore. And it's not just about ignoring it. And it's not just about cutting it off. It's about addressing it and, and looking at what, what was my role in it? What did I do? What, what, what could I have done better? And then the next time that comes along, Next time there's an edit I don't agree with, instead of being snarky in a text message, I can say, would you mind just letting me know what your thought process is behind that? And that right there, because if that happened, it, I feel like it would we would have gotten to a solution much sooner. And it's just something that it's a little tiny thing. And guess what? As long as we keep making episodes, there's probably going to be other edits that we we disagree with. And now we have a way to deal with them. And so... Everything for me now is a learning experience. Yeah, it's about it's about growth. And I think that's a major part of the self-discovery, self-awareness journey is my philosophy tends to be if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And I think that's a big part of it. it it's interesting. You know, I've been sitting here for the last couple of minutes thinking about one thing. So I was interviewed on another podcast uh, earlier today, The Real Fitness Family, and hopefully we get uh, Eric on the show to talk about fitness, health, and wellness. Um, but he asked me this question right out of the gate. So who are you? Oh, man. And, <laughs> you know, right? The funny thing is, is that I had an answer. I had an answer for him. Because I've been working on that specific question since I walked into the doors at rehab. Mm -hmm. And today I can say, I know who I am and I love who I am. Yeah. And that yeah. is the biggest growth that I've had in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine asking yourself or even just saying, you know what? Say out loud. I love myself a year ago. No, I couldn't. Right. Nope. I don't, I think that 99% of the people that walked into rehab, they couldn't, they couldn't repeat those words. No. And the last if two, they did, they were probably lying to themselves. Yeah. The last two, the last two years of my addiction, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Physically couldn't. Would, and when I would try to force myself, I would get angry because I just hated that bastard. I just hated him. And I don't hate him today. I feel bad for him, but I don't hate him because that's just a part of my story. And, you know, just going back to something you guys said about rehab, you know, when the work that I did, started doing rehab, you know, they always would say, you know, when you, when you did your daily journal, it was like, all right, well, what, 
what step are you working on? And it was like, all right, you're working on one through three. I look back now, I wasn't working on any of those steps because I had no idea what they meant. What I was working on was honesty, openness, and willingness. I, I had to get honest with myself about what the problems were. I had to be open to what the solutions might be. And I had to be willing to execute those solutions. And even walking out of rehab, I wasn't open and I wasn't willing because it took me a week to get into a room. And now it's, it's not, it's not like that. Now I have, now I, now it's so much easier. It's a second nature to take honesty, openness, and willingness when I'm confronted with something and just start working backwards. Am, am I being honest about the situation? Am I being, am I, have I checked my motives? Am I open to what everybody else has to say about the matter? And am I willing to make the adjustments that are suggested to me? And that goes for any aspect of, of my life. And that's not something that I ever had. So yeah, it's about the work and that work can look a, a lot of different ways. You know, it's funny about the circling back to the um, loving thyself, the documentary about Chris Heron, uh, who's a basketball player. Uh, he played for the Celtics, uh, he played internationally. Um, lived in Massachusetts, but he had a huge heroin addiction, alcoholic, the whole nine yards. And he said that for 10 years, I think that he never shaved in a mirror because he couldn't even look himself in the mirror. And that even after he got clean and sober, it took a few years to start actually shaving in front of the mirror. And now he's like, I can, I can actually look in the mirror and love who I, who's looking back. And that just hit home. I mean, it takes a lot of work uh, after active addiction to start loving yourself. And you know, everything that we talk about tonight, whether it's finding your activities or it's reading or it's, it's the physical, emotional, spiritual, it's all about loving the person that's looking back at you in the mirror. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll add to that is it is a journey. It's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be every day. I think that just like my recovery, I have to work at it every day. Otherwise I slip backwards. Well, boys, I think this was a great episode. Indeed. I think it was uh, very revealing and I think that we had so much to talk about because we have been working on this journey of self-discovery and self-awareness and self-love. So kudos to you both. To and you. as always, tonight's episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who will pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, boys. Have a great night. Have a great one. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to Sober Solutions Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.